0: I'm walking the Appalachian Trail. I hate to sound like a total snob, but I actually had no intention to walk this trail because of its reputation for being crowded. It's also known as a green tunnel with the trail mostly in thick forest until, after a lot of hard work, the hiker pops out on a mountaintop which may or may not have a view. But somehow, in talking with hiker friends out west, where the views are stunning and almost constant, I got the idea to at least give this most famous and signature trail a try. They threw hike the Appalachian Trail years ago, and they said walking south, starting in Maine, could be really exciting and very challenging. And I'm here, right now, in the middle of the 100-mile wilderness in Maine. It's wild, it's deep, it's dark... And it's relentless. So far, what's made it the most difficult, though, is the constant rain and chilly temperatures. Mount Katahdin was no picnic, climbing with my hands up boulders in 90-degree heat, and then coming down on my butt and shredding my pants. But the weather changed after that day. It changed drastically, and my views now are non-existent. I actually feel as I'm hiking like I'm in survival mode, pushing my body towards the next town of Monson, where food and a shower and a warm bed await me. But that's still far off. I mean, not so much in miles. It's like 50 miles or so. But it's difficult terrain and very steep, so it's slow going. And also pressing on my mind are results from a breast lumpectomy that I had just days before I came out here. Are they going to find invasive cancer, or did we get it all? What awaits me? And while I'm waiting, I mean, why did I decide to come here and now, rather than some lovely diversion or a casual hike? Well, there's nothing to do about it now, but just get up in the pouring rain, put on my rain gear, and get moving. You're listening to Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced, long-distance backpacker, Blissful Hiker. I know, I probably need a name change like In Search of Blissful Hiker. Well, this podcast is a series of personal essays, and I call them audio narratives. They couple storytelling, found sound, and my own flute playing, and I explore a journey of self-discovery, where I share the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey that we call life. The trail after five days is getting harder. The German woman Ingrid and I hiked together for the first three miles to a road. Both of us set up a food cache with a company called Appalachian Trail Hostel and Outfitters in Millinocket. We are in a wilderness with no services, but there are forest roads that come in here, and they're accessible to campers, boaters, fishermen, hunters, and, of course, outfitters. Now, it's not cheap, but for a fee, the outfitters deliver a bucket of food to the secret location in the woods not far from this road. And it helps break up the trip, which for a hiker on fresh legs, this entire wilderness can take about 10 days to walk through. Pink ribbons lead to a tarp hiding seven buckets. One has Shoes written on it, and it's empty. Shoes, you might recall, is the trail name of the hiker from Kentucky who I met on top of Katahdin. As we walked down from Katahdin, he, without trekking poles and in bare feet, gave me all the gritty details of his life story. Well, Shoes is moving pretty fast, and he's well ahead of us now. I don't care. I'm moving well enough and I keep moving, which says something. Right now it's pouring rain and it's cold and stopping is making me shiver. So I move fast, taking all of my food out of the bucket and loading it into my bear bag inside my backpack. There is a bag of chips in here I packed as a treat and I eat them while I pack. I somehow imagined way back when I set up this cache that I'd be resting in sunshine with a view as I ate these chips. Instead, it's damp and miserable. Well, there is one good thing. My food and shoes were packed in a big plastic garbage bag, and I take both of them with me to add one more extra layer of protection to my sleeping quilt and clothes, because my backpack is absolutely soaking wet. Oh, my God, I'm freezing. Well, there's no use lingering, and it's uphill now, I'm out of breath for sure, but warmer almost immediately. I like hiking with Ingrid, but our paces don't match on the uphill and I move faster. And along the way, I meet some more nobos or northbounders finishing their hikes. One of them stops to talk with me, a cancer survivor, who tells me he feels blessed for every day that he has. I don't tell him that I might have cancer myself. I just bask in his joy and embrace of life, even life now chilled and wet. Another young man comes down the hill, wearing clothes that are completely shredded, and I make him pose with his shredded clothes and snap his picture as we laugh. Then another hiker flies downhill at me with a leash dog, rudely scraping me with his umbrella. I learn later... his speed and rudeness come from the fact that he was in a panic. This guy was developing hypothermia and was running to the road to get rescued. Wow, it is cold, it is wet, but it can't be that bad, can it? I come to the top of Little Boardman Mountain, and there's no views at all, so just go right back down again and arrive at the east branch of the Pleasant River. Pleasant? It is not. Normally, Pleasant River is just a rock hop, but right now, with all this rain, the water is raging, and it's deep. Someone has yet again put up ropes across the river to aid as handholds in the ford. But there's no write-up about these ropes. I don't know if they're reliable. I pull my sticks out again and scout upriver, and I can't even make the first move, since it requires plunging immediately into swirling water up above my knees. The spot right at the trail was chosen for a reason. One of the rules of thumb for a hiker if you're in a situation that feels dangerous is to stop. It's an acronym to stop, think, observe, and plan. I did everything I could by observing and trying to figure out which way to cross, So to think and plan, I decide to actually stop and sit down, filtering water, waiting for Ingrid, and eating a little bit of food. And, of course, shivering. I wait about 10, 15 minutes, but Ingrid never shows up. She had told me that she was cold and tired, and I realized that maybe she decided to leave at the road, too. Well, I'm not going back to the road so I just have got to cross this thing. That initial move stepping into the water terrified me because the water was so high. So maybe I can approach from the other side to get in. This requires climbing up on top of a boulder and then sort of letting myself in slowly to the water, like going into the deep end of a pool. It's really deep. But right here is an eddy, and the water isn't fast. I reach high for the rope, and once I have it in hand, I slowly move forward to the rocks, where the water is moving faster. Once I reach them, I turn sideways and crab myself into the water, bracing against the rocks as the current bashes at me. I slide one foot over the other, and jam it against the rock. As I'm moving, one foot gets stuck. Very carefully, leaning against those rocks and holding onto the rope, I unwedge my foot and move it carefully ahead. A slip right now could be catastrophic. But forward I go, and then small stones, and I'm out of the rapids. I'm shaky, I'm wild-eyed, I'm strong, <laughs> and I'm rejuvenated. I did it. I look back and still no sign of Ingrid. So I walk through a gloriously dreary forest lightened by flowers and the complex music of a winter wren. The trail is steep now, climbing into the big mountains where a shelter rests in the flank of the White Cap at 3,642 feet. <laughs> up is easy for me, even in rain, and the trail makes me happy, lined with trillium and rhododendron. The view's misty, but a stream crashing next to me. Oh, yeah. And there it is, the lean-to, safety. How did the trail crew get this lean-to here? Did they carry each board up one at a time? Oh, it's got to be Helicopter. The lean-to sits in a tiny hollow next to Logan Brook and a waterfall falling into a pool surrounded by large ferns. It looks like something straight out of Hawaii, if it got down to 40 degrees in Hawaii. The sibs arrive, and we all cuddle in as fast as we can. Soon a power hiker joins us named Hoover, quietly squishing in next to me. The rain makes a plunkety-plunk sound like a pinball machine on the tin roof. It's six o'clock, and there's nothing to do now but sleep and wonder about tomorrow's big and exposed climb over the Whitecap, plus three more peaks. Am I going to see anything tomorrow? Doubtful. And just how am I going to keep going in this weather? Well, if I get up first, the Sibs and Hoover will be right behind me, And that'll keep me going. Plus sheer stubborn willpower. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple, please leave a review. Reviews help the show get discovered. You can support the show financially as a patron on Patreon. Help me get on trail to collect sounds and create these stories. You can find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhikerpodcast.com. That's also the address where you can find other episodes, the blog, see pictures, and contact me, blissfulhikerpodcast.com. Next week, sheer willpower does get me over those four peaks, plus a few more peaks, but I gotta tell ya, I get by with a little help from my friends. Until then, Kia Kaha and Happy Trails.